0: sorry. I can go with the flow of so many things and there are certain things that just like catch my attention and I can't let them go. The first time I ever preached at Salem Alliance, the kids had fruit snacks and after they left there were fruit snack wrappers on the stairs. How many of you like me would have had to have picked up the fruit snack wrappers before you could keep going with what you were going to do? Alright, let's just uh, open with a quick word of prayer, more for me than for you. Father, thank you for um, this weekend, for the women who've come and for the seminars that are going on. Every time I poke my head in a room, I'm just so blessed to see um, who is teaching and who is listening and what you are doing. So would you, as we switch now, these women just came from one seminar to another. Would you help to um, anchor what they just heard and what they just learned in a place that you will bring them back to and remind them of when the time is right? And then would you help us to shift gears and to look ahead to perhaps a different topic or a different angle on the same topic, looking at um, how you've created us and how we embrace um, how you made us. In your name, amen. Super. Thank you. We're good. Thanks, Becky. So we're talking today about living authentically. And before we dive in, um, I think I just want to hear, like, your first impression on the word authentic. Um, Positive, negative, another word that comes to mind. What's your first impression when you think of authentic or living authentically? Being real, genuine, sincere, truthful, Vulnerable. vulnerable, open, transparent. Okay, so show of hands, and you don't have to participate. Nobody's going to look around and go, uh, I didn't see your hand go up on either one. <laughs> and here are your choices. So here, you either choose this one or this one or neither, but not both friends. Well, I suppose it could be both. There, there could be a reason for both. When you think of authentic, in your soul, your first gut reaction, is it positive or a little bit scary? So for those of you who are like, yeah, let's be authentic. This is positive. Okay, for those of you whose first gut is kind of like, that's a little scary. Okay. Thank you for your honesty, I appreciate that. And I'm guessing that I was wrong in my first comment. I bet there are some for whom it's both. Yes, let's be authentic and that's a little scary, okay? So today I just wanna talk about several aspects of this and the fact that there's kind of this continuum and I, I wanna say that I think there is authenticity and that vulnerability is, the level of vulnerability is on a spectrum. And that we can be authentic and true to ourself in certain situations where we're not quite being as vulnerable as the other situations where we were being authentic and true to ourselves, and yet deeply vulnerable. And I want to kind of help us separate that authenticity automatically means vulnerability because I believe that there are places where it's not yet safe to be vulnerable. We may have been in a family or a job situation or an education situation, a group of friends where vulnerability backfired and so we're afraid to be authentic and yet is there a place to recognize that we can be our true selves everywhere and offer the vulnerable parts of us carefully to those who've earned our trust? So let me let me explain. When I was growing up, my parents were leading a college-age group at another church in town, and they often had the group to our house for Bible studies or lessons. And just about every summer, they did a series called Love, Sex, and Dating. Now, they kicked me out for the sex part, uh, but I sat in the backyard listening to all of these things about dating and relationships and all this stuff, and one of the things that I gleaned from it was... IF I ENTER A RELATIONSHIP WITH SOMEONE, I WANT IT TO BE BASED ON WHO I REALLY AM. I DON'T WANT IT TO BE BASED ON WHO I THINK THEY WANT ME TO BE BECAUSE IF I'VE EXPENDED A LOT OF ENERGY TO BE WHO I THINK THEY WANT ME TO BE AND THEN THEY ACCEPT ME FOR THAT AND THEN WE GET MARRIED, THEN I EITHER HAVE TO SPEND THE REST OF MY LIFE TRYING TO BE WHO THEY WANT ME TO BE OR IT'S KIND OF A BAIT AND SWITCH. WE GET MARRIED AND THEN I GO, OH, HA, HA, I'M DONE EXPENDING THIS ENERGY. NOW THAT I GOT ya. I'M NOT GOING TO LIVE THIS WAY ANYMORE, RIGHT? AND SO, EVEN WHEN I WAS PRETTY YOUNG, I HAD THIS AWARENESS THAT, AT LEAST IN DATING RELATIONSHIPS, I WANT TO MAKE SURE THAT I AM PUTTING MY REAL SELF FORWARD. AND I'M NOT GOING TO PRETEND AND I'M NOT GOING TO GLOSS IT OVER. AND IF I'M MAD ABOUT SOMETHING, I'M GOING TO SAY I'M MAD. AND IF I'M INSECURE ABOUT SOMETHING, I'M GOING TO SAY I'M INSECURE. AND IF I WANT TO WEAR THIS SHIRT, I'M GOING TO WEAR this shirt. And, and I want this person to see me for who I really am, not that I'm all dolled up. But I didn't do that with my girl friendships, right? Somehow I caught it for the dating relationships, but I didn't figure it out for my female friendships. And I still was wrapped up in that third grade. You guys remember third grade, don't you? People talk about middle school, and middle school can be hard, but third grade <laughs> is where you kind of start to, become less oblivious of of social structures and and you're trying to fit in with these other girls and so you're doing everything I was doing everything I could to try to fit in with the group that I thought I wanted to fit in with and so I look back and I go for me authenticity began to be blurred back that young in this in this community setting where instead of getting to know who I am and waking up in the morning and going what do I feel like wearing to school today? Instead, I wake up in the morning and I think, well, what would Kim want me to wear to school today? What is Joe not going to laugh at me about if I wear it to school today? What is going to make so-and-so think I'm cool and let me sit at their table at lunchtime if I wear it to school today or if I do my hair today or if I do this? And I don't think I'm alone. And as simple as that is, I think we still do it as grown-ups. And it might not be our hair or our clothing, and it might be, but is it our... If I share this in Bible study, then who will think that I'm deeply spiritual? Or who will think that I'm being very authentic? Or as long as my, so years ago, I passed a, somebody with a cardboard sign on the corner. I drove on by, and then I felt convicted that I should um, give something, and I was on my way to Winco. You may have heard the story before. So in Winco, I decided to get peanut butter and jelly and some bread and take it back to the guy on the corner. I'm standing in the peanut butter aisle and I'm trying to figure out what kind of peanut butter he would like best. I, would he like crunchy? I don't know. Maybe he likes I don't know, creamy. I don't jiff. And I, all of a sudden, it dawns on me there is no possible way in the world that I can know what kind of peanut butter the guy on the corner would like. There's not. It's ludicrous. And there was this aha ah, epiphany moment that I spent my life trying to figure out what kind of peanut butter you like. And then entering into my day and my relationship with you to give you the kind of peanut butter that you like. So at the end of the day, you would go, wow, that Jennifer, isn't she amazing? isn't she just whatever kind of peanut butter you like the nicest the orneriest, the crunchiest the creamiest the whatever it is that you want the most spiritual the least judgmental the most conservative that you know whatever it is that you want and and so this this idea of living authentically is how do we shed our habits of trying to be what everybody else wants us to be so that we can bring who we truly are. And honestly, I think there are some things with this that are at a conscious level. So when we're pursuing authenticity, a part of it is is not pretending to be something you aren't. Right? So on this, I'm saying there's a conscious level at which I know that I am kind of a hmm, I'm willing to be flexible, I'm okay with disorder, I do okay if my house stays dirty for days on end. If it goes for weeks on end, I'm probably going to need to just take some time and really get into it, but I do okay. But when I go to visit with some friends who I know are not okay with disorder, who keep their house in impeccable shape, whose children always have their room picked up before they go to sleep at night, then I am tempted to put on this face of, Well, they're coming to my house. My kids are going to clean up their room. That's the pretend right there, right? And I'm tempted to put on this face of, oh, yeah, I'm super organized. Oh, yeah, I vacuum on Tuesdays. Oh, yeah, I, and so, and it's not that I'm going to tell a lie. So then prior to being in relationship with that person, I'm trying to be this way so that when I am in relationship with them, I'm being honest. But I'm projecting what I think they think is valuable. That is a conscious level of pretending. I know who I am, I know how I function, and I'm pretending to function a different way to impress the people around me. So see what I'm saying about that's That's kind of conscious. And then I think in this pursuing authenticity is that there is a subconscious level. Those things that, um, have you guys ever seen the Johari window? That's a fancy psychobabble term for this little square. And this square is... Our awareness of our own life. So the first square are the things that I see and that others see. Others see. The second one then would be the things that I see but others don't get to see. So then down here we have the things that others see but I don't. And over here we have the things that nobody sees. They're true about me, but I don't know them. Others haven't seen them yet. This is our blind spot. Okay? So in our blind spot, there are things that I have not yet discovered about myself that are true about me that are buried so deep that I don't give myself the freedom to let rise up that I'm not pretending, I'm not faking or or knowingly putting a mask on, but I'm also not living authentically because I don't know it about myself yet. And if that's in this blind spot, I have started praying, God, would know the things that I'm blind to? Because there's no other way other than the hand of God that I'm going to know something I don't know. So that's a prayer that I pray. It's kind of a scary prayer. Um, ask God for courage to pray it and then pray it because he will show you. Uh, some things that you don't know. Here, though, this is an area of gift. The gift of things that others see in us and they recognize our blind spot. And can we be vulnerable enough, here is where we hit that vulnerability, to allow somebody else to speak into our life and to say, Jennifer, I believe this is true about you and yet you live like this. What do you think? I was reading a devotional book the other day and it said, it, the, the premise of the whole devotion is that we walk with God in community, right? And it's talking about a daily intervention of the body of Christ. So let me, um, let me see, where do I start? Why do I need the daily intervention of the body of Christ? The answer is as simple as it is humbling. I need this daily ministry because I am a blind man. As much as I would like to think that I see and know myself well, it just isn't true. Because sin blinds me to me, As long as there is still sin inside me, there will be pockets of blindness in my view of me. It's actually more serious than what I've just described because whereas every physically blind person knows that he is blind, spiritually blind people are blind to their blindness. They actually think that they see when in fact they don't. So what about you? Have you embraced your daily need for the help of the body of Christ? Who knows you? Whom have you invited to intrude into your private space? to function for you as an instrument of seeing. Do you have a name in mind right now? When someone who knows you points out a sin, a weakness or a failure, are you thankful? Or do you feel your chest tighten and your ears get red as you silently prepare yourself to rise to your own defense? Are you skilled at giving non-answers to personal questions or do you run toward the daily help that God has provided? This help is not something to be afraid of or shy away from because it is a tool of God's forgiving, rescuing, transforming, and delivering grace. And so as we talk about living authentically, part of the journey towards discovering who God made us to be and then embracing who God made us to be is the willingness to have people in our life that we give permission to speak into our blind spots and to point out who we really are. I had a life coach once, and this was probably ten years or so ago, my kids were four or two and not born yet. And I was still trying to do life um, based on what I thought others, what, what, it, what worked for other people. And so I was really, I was having a hard time keeping my household together and and preparing any meals and keeping the house clean. And so I would, I'm really good at making lists. I'm really good at making lists. I'm really good at making schedules. When I was a kid, I used to make out a schedule minute by minute of what I was going to do from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. And I would hang it over my light switch. And I had so much fun making that schedule. I would just look and pour over the schedule and I'd just set up my day the way I wanted it. And then I'd hang it over my light switch and I'd never look at it again. And so as a young mom, I was making lists and plans and, okay, and meals were really hard for me. So, okay, Taco Tuesdays and Spaghetti Saturdays. And how can we put some routines in place in my life? Because I'd seen people have great success with routines. And maybe, and and I'm going to, like I mentioned once, I'm going to vacuum on this day and I'm going to clean the bathrooms on this day. And so I'd make myself lists and I'd set up routines. And I was sitting with this life coach and I was talking with her about how discouraged I was that I never followed through on my routines. And she said to me, she said, Jennifer, as I'm listening to you talk, she said, it strikes me that you're not really a routine maintenance kind of a person. You're more of a project kind of a person. Is there any way that you could frame the stuff that you need to do for your family in view of a project? Because what I'm seeing about you is you don't do the ongoing routines and then you shame yourself about not doing the ongoing routines. And she was a person who spoke into my life something that helped me live more authentically because I saw a blind spot that I didn't see before. Yes, routines work great for people who are the personality for routines. Routines don't work for me, and I've got to quit shaming myself for not vacuuming on the same day of the week every week or for not preparing my sermons the same way other pastors prepare their sermons or for not leading the same way other people lead. We all do it so differently, and one of the things I want to say about authenticity is this. WE HAVE COME IN OUR CULTURE TO VALUE SAMENESS. WE LOOK AT PEOPLE ON THE TV OR WE WATCH PEOPLE THAT WE THINK ARE SUCCESSFUL AND WE VALUE SAMENESS. WE THINK, OKAY, IF I COULD LOOK LIKE THEM, THEN I WILL HAVE ARRIVED. AND FRIENDS, I THINK GOD VALUES UNIQUENESS. I THINK GOD VALUES DIFFERENCES. I THINK THERE IS A BEAUTY WHEN WE ALL COME TOGETHER AND WE DO LIFE DIFFERENTLY. So what would it look like if I could be friends with somebody who, and just to keep it really simplified, if I could be friends with somebody who's a routine person and not allow my lack of routine to shame me and not allow the way that I do something to shame them, to not be in judgment of each other at all, but to rejoice in the fact that, man, we reflect different aspects of God's character. We reflect different parts of personality. And when I lean into living authentically, I don't create something awkward in the world, I bring a beauty to bear that God wanted revealed when he made me. And so a friend who can speak into my blind spot, even if it's hard to hear, even if it hurts, even if it's something that is corrective. I had a friend tell me last year there was a big event that had passed by and she'd been very, very helpful and and I had said nothing about it. And she came back to me and she said, Jennifer, I'm the kind of person where thanks goes a long way. And, and I don't do it for the recognition, but it hurts if somebody doesn't say thank you for the, for what I've given. That was hard to hear from a friend because I'm a recovering perfectionist. I want to appear capable, rational, and, and never miss anything. Always say the right thing and do the right thing. So for someone to come back to me and say, your lack of expressed gratitude and lack of recognizing what I had done was really hurtful to me, was hard to hear, but I can get so caught up in the details of something and the leadership of it and the let's go, 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 go that I miss the people. And her kindness to me in coming to point out a blind spot helps me to recognize that gratitude is a piece that I need to be working on. So we've got this personal authenticity. How do we live as we truly are in front of people? And as we get to know ourselves better, and become more comfortable in our own skin, and, and live that way with the people around us, we find that there does come a place when it is vulnerable. Because what if I'm in the workplace, and me being authentic isn't what somebody else wanted to see? What if, What if being at church, and me worshiping with my hands up, and moving my hips, Or me worshiping with my head down and my arms at my side and quiet. What if somebody else sees that and they're offended by that? Well, that's one of the things, you know, I have another board here. So I'm going to be super artistic right now. You guys are going to be so impressed. Okay. What am I drawing, everybody? Ah, see, we're good at charades, a fence. This is my yard. This is somebody else's yard. I am only responsible for what's in my yard. I am not responsible for what they think about what's in my yard. I am not responsible for how they respond to what's in my yard. I am not responsible to how they feel about what's in my yard. Now, if I am a bad person and I am crossing their fence and I am uh, offending, uh, assaulting, and uh, then, then we have a different story. But let's just say for the moment that we're simply talking about me being me, you know, myself, the one I was created to be. I am only responsible to be true to me and allow the people in their other yards to think what they want to think. But am I comfortable in my yard? Am I okay with God? Sometimes as we follow God, it's not comfortable. And yet, am I, do I have this sense of confidence that it's where I need to be? And if I have a sense of confidence that I am living as God made me to live, AND THAT I AM OBEYING HIM AND FOLLOWING HIM TO THE BEST OF MY ABILITY AND LIVING INTO WHO HE MADE ME TO BE TO THE BEST OF WHAT I CAN SEE WHAT OTHERS ARE SPEAKING INTO MY LIFE AND TRUSTING HIM TO EXPOSE THE STUFF THAT I CAN'T SEE YET, THEN WHAT MY NEIGHBORS OR WHAT MY KIDS OR WHAT MY SIBLINGS OR EVEN WHAT MY HUSBAND OR MY COWORKERS OR MY FRIENDS THINK OF THE DECISIONS THAT I'M MAKING are not the value that I should be using to decide if what I'm doing and how I'm living is okay. I have a different measurement and a different matrix. My matrix is God. And it's not a flippant, I don't care, I'm going to be true to myself and let the chips fall where they may. But it's kind of an honest, I'm going to be true to who God's calling me to be and let the chips fall where they may. Do we start at 8.40 or 9.40? Wasn't that right? Okay, good. I'm going to do this so that I remember what time I'm supposed to wrap up here. So then as we are going, okay, I know me. I'm good. I got my personal authenticity. I'm walking in this. We cross this line into vulnerability and who is safe to be vulnerable with. So I want to share a principle that's not original to me. As a matter of fact, I heard it just this week from uh, Brene Brown. I was listening to Stephanie last night, if you were in Stephanie's. She also mentioned Brene Brown. Brene has some great work and stuff out there on vulnerability and trust and that kind of thing. So she was talking about a marble jar. So we're kind of transitioning now to not how do I know how to present my real self, but how do I know once I am comfortable with me, who it's safe to be real with and to be honest with. And she was talking about trust um, is kind of like a marble jar. And that in our life, there are people who do things that prove trustworthy. And when they do, we've got a marble that goes in the jar. And if they do something that's, that's not trustworthy, we've got a marble that goes out of the jar. And we all have people in our life who we would say, or I hope we have people in our life, who we would say are marble jar friends. They have walked with us. They have listened to us. They have done things that have showed that they are trustworthy to us, that they are trustworthy with my confidences, that they will hold a confidence that they are trustworthy with my heart, that if I share something, they're not just going to give me a piece of advice or tell me I'm wrong or stomp on what I've just shared with them, that that they are trustworthy with those I love, that the things that I care about, they've shown me that they care about. And as the marbles go into the jar, we find that there are people in our life that we would call a marble jar friend. And I would say this, it's your marble jar friends that you want to be sharing your deepest vulnerability with. So, for example, this last session I actually sat in here with Michelle and Jessica and they asked a question and gave us time to process it and God began to bring something to mind for me that is very vulnerable. And I immediately thought, who are my marble jar friends that I can begin to share that with? Because there's a process that he just cracked the door open in my life that, that is not ready yet for me to process with every person that I meet on the street. So here's another way of saying that. As a leader, time, this is a rabbit trail that I think might be important. So go with me. We'll see how we do. If, if a community wants to be a culture that does authenticity well together, then somebody has to be bold enough to begin by being authentic in a culture that hasn't learned how to do that yet, right? Right? And so as a leader who is passionate about living authentically, I find that part of my call is to extend myself perhaps further than I might be comfortable with in a group that hasn't learned to do that yet in order to demonstrate and model what it looks like to be honest and open and vulnerable in community. And so another leader and I several years ago were having a question about what is the appropriate level of vulnerability when I'm in a group like this or a group Like the 150 are here total or a group like the sanctuary where there's 1,500, uh, 900 at a given time, 2,500 over the course of the weekend. And what's appropriate to share there and what is just like, ooh, yuck, slime, too much information. Everybody did not need to know that, Jennifer. And, um, And then personally, what is guarding and protecting my soul in the midst of being authentic and what is having walls up and not being real and not being vulnerable at all and how do you know the line between those and friends i would say there's not just a real fine defined line but there is a line and and we want to know what are the things that we save for our marble jar friends so one of the things that this friend and i were talking about was this idea of live nerve endings so if i'm going through something that emotionally i still have live nerve endings like touch that topic and i'm gonna cry. That's a live nerve ending touch that topic. And I'm immediately my heart is just going to ache. That's a live nerve ending. Okay, there are things that in my life have been live nerve endings and God has walked in them and worked in them and healed them. And they are still vulnerable. It is still a little difficult to talk about, but it's not a live nerve ending anymore. And what I would suggest is that in your vulnerability, your live nerve endings are for your marble jar friends. And your somewhat processed, down the road a little ways, honesty about my failings, my weaknesses, the things that I have struggled with are really, really good things to share with a community that's learning to be authentic and that wants to build a culture of being real with each other. Because imagine a women's ministry event where you walk into the table and everybody around the table has dressed nice for the day. Aren't these ladies beautiful? They're lovely. AND YOU DON'T KNOW THEM AND YOU SIT DOWN AND SOMEBODY UP FRONT SAYS, OKAY, LET'S HAVE TABLE TALK AND YOU START TO TALK AND THIS ONE KNOWS A BIBLE VERSE AND THIS ONE HAS A STORY TO TELL ABOUT HER perfect son, AND, and THIS ONE IS JUST SO GORGEOUS, SHE DOESN'T HAVE TO SAY ANYTHING AT ALL <laughs> AND YOU'RE SITTING HERE GOING, IF THESE WOMEN HAVE IT ALL TOGETHER, THEN THIS IS NOT THE PLACE FOR ME BECAUSE WE COMPARE OUR INSIDES WITH OTHER PEOPLE'S OUTSIDES we know what's inside us and we sit down at the table and we're comparing what we know inside about us with what we see outside about them and yet at if this table if i sat down and this was a place where we had already begun to establish a culture of being authentic with each other then these people might share that i really struggled with my son this week we had a, a we we had a hard conversation and and i yelled at him and i was not proud of that and and I've been, I've got chronic pain, and it is hard, and some days I do okay, but today I am just weary at the end of the day of my chronic pain. Or I have a child with a disability, and you know, I have had so much help, and there's so much support, and, and there's, there's joy in the journey, and yet some days are just harder than others, and my heart is weary. Then I sit at this table and I go, oh, these people can handle me. These people can handle my stuff. These people can handle the fact that I don't know if I believe that the Bible is true. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that God really loves me. You know what? I've just had a huge loss in my life, and they say that God is good, but I don't know that I believe God is good, and I don't know that I can sing God is good. Or I'm struggling, and I'm, I have been hurt by my husband, and I don't know how to heal from this. There are things that we share in a community where a culture is shifting, especially as we learn where that level of sharing is appropriate in the group that we're in. And some of that just takes maturity to know who to be vulnerable with and who to say, I'm going to share what's real. I'm going to share my struggles. So let me give another example. Maybe I sit down at the table and I say, and I don't have a college-age daughter, so I can say this one. I say, my college-age daughter has walked away from Jesus, and my heart is broken. I'm not going to go into the details of what she's doing and what she has said to me. I'm not going to say something that's going to dishonor her, but I'm going to be real about the journey as it is for me. So I'm saving the, the raw, nerve-ending details for my marble jaw friends, and, le- and yet I'm willing to look at the table around me and say, I don't have it all together. Let's just go that far to say that. So then, hmm. I want to do a little uh, marble jar activity. So I'm going to give these to the first three tables. And if you would just kind of pass them back from you, then we'll see if everybody gets it. And it's a paper that's got three questions on it. Just for you guys, while we're here in this place, to take, I'll probably give you about five minutes to look at it. And and here are the questions that you're going to see on your paper. It says... Do you have people in your life that you would consider marble jar friends? If so, who are they? If not, are these the kind of relationships that you'd like to cultivate? Why or why not? The second one is, how do the people in your life, how do the people in your life earn their marbles or earn the right to hear your story? Identify specific behaviors. And you guys, this isn't going to be the same for everyone, how people earn their marbles in your life. So if you think about a marble jar friend, what are the things that have happened in your history to convince you that they're trustworthy? And then the last one is, what does it mean to you to be a marble jar friend? Okay, any questions on that? Just kind of do this on your own quietly. you're still writing and processing, please feel free to just bury yourself in your own yellow sheet and ignore us for a little bit here, okay? But if you'd be willing to share, I'm just kind of looking at this bottom one. Would anybody be willing to share anything you wrote about what it means to you to be a marble jar friend? Yeah, right back here. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh, okay. So listen without, can I say, solving, okay? Because you're giving them the respect that they have the solution as they're talking it through, okay? Yep, I think that's often true, uh, and, and when somebody asks, then we have that freedom to offer. Mel? Uh, don't try to fix the situation. Okay, without fixing, okay? Sometimes people just need to listen without you saying, oh, I have the answer. Yes. No judgment. Okay. You guys are finishing up the teaching for me. I'm just going to turn around and read the board to finish up what I was going to finish up with. Sherry. Okay. So reciprocating with vulnerability. Okay. I think that's so important. Uh, Brené Brown talks about the fact that we can only, yeah, That if somebody else is being vulnerable to us, we're not safe people to receive vulnerability unless we are reciprocating that vulnerability. Someone else. Yeah. Okay. Empathetic and loyal. Right back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so even if they've asked you for advice, you are being a friend without expecting that they're going to take your advice. So I'm going to summarize that by no expectations of certain activity or choice. Okay, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so listening to the point that you are asking clarifying questions, making sure that you understand their heart, their situation, and then that follow-up. Okay, someone else. Yeah, Manny. Um, to be able to forgive, move hmm. past the, the conversation, Yeah. A conversation. Yeah. Heather? Um, like stand up for them or defend them. Hmm. Others well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I have, so, (laughs) um, I have mentioned that I'm a recovering perfectionist, and in other circles, I've also mentioned that I'm the hardest on myself, and so my inner talk, and so I have a friend who actually stands up for me by saying, I'm going to punch you in the face, because she's like, you're talking bad about my friend, do I need to punch somebody in the face, she'll say, Um, and it's just our joke of. Her being protective of me, and yet the one she has to protect me from is me, because I'm the one being the harshest on me, okay, what else? Yes, them their identity in them, just opportunities yeah. Yeah, helping them to see where their identity and value comes from and it's not wrapped up in the things that they're working through. Okay. Anyone else? What makes you a marble jar friend? Yeah. Um, Respecting each other's boundaries. Yeah. Respect the boundary. And I saw, yep. Um, It goes along with the listening and I think a lot of times we have to kind of clear our own minds and our own junk and stuff. Huh. yeah, being willing to clear our stuff to be present with their stuff. Okay? Yes. <laughs> Don't assume. Yeah. As a matter of fact, sometimes I I understand <laughs> that it's very difficult for someone walking in pain to have someone look at them and say, oh, I understand because I had this situation. And it's like, you know, even if you had a very, very similar situation, um, I don't need to know your understanding. Um, I've learned to say, my heart hurts with you. I'm sorry it's so hard. And that that goes a lot farther than, oh, I understand your pain. Because what's implied in I understand is different than my heart aches. Yeah. Okay. So what we've just described here is what makes us safe people. And what makes us safe people individually for another friend is also what makes us safe people in community. So when we're doing community together and we want a culture that is safe for others to enter in and be authentic, then we listen without trying to fix people. That means in Bible study, when somebody shares, I don't say, oh, I know what you need to do. Now, let me say this. Uh, We have uh, a Bible study that's weekly that's Hearts at Home, which is for our moms of young kids. And there's a difference between somebody who says, I just need a good meal plan. And the people in their group go, oh, I've tried this cookbook. And somebody who says... I am really struggling with how to communicate with my husband and somebody says, oh, well, will read this book or you need to tell him this or you need to say this. Do you hear the one is people actually walk out going, man, I got a list of cookbooks, this is great. But the other is all those other people know what I'm supposed to do about my life and I can't figure it out and I just walked out lower than I walked in because instead of being heard and affirmed and supported when I shared what I was struggling with, somebody gave me advice or answers or pat answers that made me feel like, not only am I struggling with this, but I can't figure out how to be a Christian and just get it all right the first time. And so, this idea of listening, following up, you know, have you ever, have you ever, I'm not very good at this, so you might have done it a lot, but when somebody has shared a prayer request, two or three weeks later to come back and say, hey, how is that going? Do you know how far that goes? In a relationship or a friendship, in a heart for somebody to go, not only did they pray for me in the moment, but they remembered and they made it a priority to find time with me to say, how's it going, to have that follow-up. It makes it a safe community to share the next time. So what about this idea of how do the people in your life earn their marbles? How do they earn their marbles? What are some of the things? Did any of you have things that you were like, oh, I remember when this person started to become close enough to me that I would trust them, it was because such and such. Anybody have something that you'd want to share about how people earn their marbles? Well, the first thing I thought about was they earn their marbles by the same way I am a marble friend to them. Okay. Yeah. So if they listen without judging, without trying to fix and all the things that we have listed on the other board, then they have a marble their marble friends to us. Okay? What else? Yeah. Okay. So they lost their marbles <laughs> because of gossip, and it wasn't necessarily gossip about you, but you heard them gossiping about others, which made them realize, made you realize that you can't trust them with you. You know, Brene Brown calls that common enemy friendship. Common enemy intimacy. That if if we look at a relationship and it's largely based around complaining about an organization or a set of people or something else, we don't actually have intimacy, we have common enemy intimacy. And we aren't any of us marble jar friends. Something else that either we lose our marbles for or they make us marble jar friends. Yes. Yeah. 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 Willing to give wisdom without judgment. I never know if I spell that right or not. You guys won't tell. Yeah. Um, loving, like my and so loving the people you love. Yeah. 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 So they're safe for you to share with because you know it's not going to change their opinion yeah okay and ladies can i just say this and i'll come right back mel in this living authentically there is this tightrope of what's my story and what's not my story and especially if we're dealing with marriage struggles or parenting struggles or relational struggles or in the workplace if what we're struggling with has to do with another person we need amazing wisdom about when and where is the appropriate time to share that and to really keep a rein on it not just becoming a gripe session an event session that's not honoring to the person that we're struggling with and yet we can't just keep all that bottled up inside with a lid on it and pretend like it's just going to all get better inside. When something comes into the light and comes out and comes up, then it can be healed and dealt with. And so sometimes we feel like confidentiality means I can't ever say anything about this. And I would say wisdom means who are the people who have proven to me that they will keep my confidence, who love the people in my life, and they're not going to change their opinion of them because of my sharing. And, who, and, and it might only be one person that is safe enough for that really big crisis. But we don't go talking about that crisis with everyone because we respect the parts of it that aren't, it's not my story to tell, but how it impacts me is my story to tell. So as honoring as I can to the people I'm struggling with, I live authentically and have to walk with amazing and delicate wisdom in times. Mel, you had a thought. Yeah, so this, yeah, yeah, so this similar life experience is something that you guys have been able to rally around, and it makes them marble jar friends for you, because they do, they might not live in your house, but they have some degree of understanding of what you're dealing with, and so they're people who you can go to, whereas somebody outside, completely outside your experience, couldn't really even get it. Yeah. Julie. I think um, someone who knows you well enough that can give you grace but also help you get grace Yeah. So they are grace giving, I'm gonna and they invite grace out of you. Something like that. For yourself. Okay. Anybody else? What is it that people do to be marble jar friends? Yes. Yeah. So are they reacting with empathy and loyalty and reacting these ways? Yeah. Mm-hmm. T. Huh. Yeah. You know, I am a verbal processor. And so sometimes I just have to say it. So that marble jar friend is the person who can take that verbal vomit, as I like to call it, and accept that I am still me. And I am still okay in their eyes. And I'm just processing and they're that safe place to process. Yeah. Did you have something too? Uh-huh. It hurts my heart and I don't want to share it Yeah. Uh, example from my own life. Pithy saying. I was trying to talk and write at the same time. So, uh, example from my own life uh, about a year after my uh, two month old nephew died from heart complications, uh, somebody came up to me and said, How are you doing? And I took that as an invitation, to be honest. And I said, you know, so we're doing all right. We're doing pretty well. I said, but we are still struggling with prayer. Like God says, if two or more gather in my name, I am there and I will do what you say. And we prayed and we prayed for healing and it didn't happen. And so I believe in God and I'm still following him. I am really struggling with prayer. You know, and in my mind, I'm thinking God's going to make it clear to me. This is journey. This is process. But this is the true answer to your question. And the response was, oh, but that's just the sovereignty of God. Friends, don't, don't put a theological term band-aid on somebody's pain. Don't put a Bible verse as a band-aid on somebody's questions. Yes, it's true. God is sovereign. That is a truth. That is not an answer when somebody has just bared their heart. An answer is, wow, I get it. We'll be praying for you, Period. You know, I think part of the reason why we do this, why do we try to fix people? Why do we try to give them the spiritual pat answer is because I am not comfortable when you're uncomfortable. If I am being a good enough friend or a good enough pastor or a good enough sister or good enough whatever, then I would be able to know what to say to make you happy again so that you're not suffering. And so really what I'm trying to do is make you feel better so that I feel better about me. And we have to stop that. We've got to let people be where they are at and be their own authentic and walk with them and support them in it and recognize that my heart can hurt because of your hurt and I might continue to hurt, but that doesn't mean I need to fix your hurt. I think we maybe see this most clearly if we look at the way we parent our children. None of us like to see our our children hurting, and yet if we really parent that out to the full extent, we're going to send them off to college and they're not going to know what hardship is and we have not done them any favors at all. And we can say that about kids and recognize, oh yeah, let them face their difficulties, but it's harder to do than it is to say, and we do the same with our friends, and sometimes we're motivated to give that Bible verse or that pat answer, and sometimes... We don't even realize it's a pat answer. Maybe it's as deep as God has been teaching me this in my devotional time with him. And somebody just walked up and they expressed that they're struggling with this. I am the first person to want to tell them what God has been teaching me because obviously he put me in this place to fix them because it's the journey that they're on. And yet, unless they ask for that advice or unless I have a way to phrase it that says, man, I think God's been speaking to me about that too you want to hear about it if it comes across as i know the answer you need to hear it from me then we've just shut the door yep yep That is a really spiritual term that Julie is. So Julie and I have (laughs) known each other a long time. They sit in it with you. There are times when being authentic means that we need to be still long enough to know what's true. And sometimes we don't want to be still because we're afraid of what will settle. The dust that settles in the stillness is going to be hard. And so sometimes authenticity calls for sitting in one place long enough to see what's true about yourself and being a friend in that living authentically is being willing to sit with someone while they sit in it and not try to fix it so fast that they don't ever see what it was that was causing the pain. A Laura Lee Friesen years and years ago said it's like a pond that always has something swimming around in it, and the sediment is always stirred up. And sometimes you just have to be still long enough for all the sediment to settle so the water can become clear so that you can see what's real. Sometimes it's just as simple as being still. Okay. Any other questions, comments, things that you've thought about during our time? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I know it's about timing. So like yeah. how can we use the word, I guess? Yeah. So you're asking how can we use the word and and the question that I'll extrapolate is how do we encourage one another? Right. Yeah, that's great. Anybody have a thought in response to that? Yeah, what does that look like? Um it's helpful this I actually um um Carly did this for me. Um she didn't give me the verse in the moment. She sat in it with me and then later. Okay. Yeah. And this is something that I wanted to give you. So it was like an extra thought about me, and then yeah. giving me something that I could sit with. So it wasn't something like where she was replacing sitting with me with just giving me advice or a verse or something. Right. And then and it was like a pretty, you know, it can be like handwritten or like a pretty picture with the verse or whatever. But yeah. So the fact that she waited and didn't give it to you right in the moment, but she sat with you and listened and then later was thoughtful of you, which is a bonus, and then sent it to you. Okay, anyone else? Using scripture or encouraging people without coming across as, I know the answer to your problem. Yeah? If these are close people to you, then oftentimes you know their love languages. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so knowing.
0: Send me a ten dollar bill as you did yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, yeah. Or somebody who, who appreciates coffee. Yeah. So knowing somebody's love language, knowing them well enough to know how they receive, you recognize they're in a hard time. You're not trying to fix them, but you're giving them a gift that's in the language of love that they can receive. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So fold up and when you're ready. And I would say that there's a difference. There's a difference in motivation in the heart. And if my heart motivation is to fix you, or if my heart motivation is to encourage you, I can do the same action and have different results. So I give you a verse. That's the action. If my motivation is I know the answer, I'm going to fix her, how do you receive that? Versus I really care about her. I'm listening to her. This verse came to mind. The Holy Spirit has prompted my heart to give it to her. I'm going to write it on an encouragement card and send it to her. That has beautiful results. So I think it's a really important question in the in the name of being a safe place for people to be struggling we don't want to cease being a place where we will speak truth where we will encourage where we will love recognizing timing tone motive you know yeah um did you have one a question or a comment i was just going to say i that i have found it to be helpful to you know, test the waters a little bit okay Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I Yeah. I even had a picture coming to mind for that one, Catherine. It's this test the waters. Isn't that good? <laughs> I think that's real wisdom. That's real wisdom, that before you just go, oh, this is the person to trust, that you you give them something to see what they do with it. And I have sat with folks who have done that well with me, and I have sat with others that have not done it as well with me, and I've gone, okay, this relationship can be this, but it's not going to be my marble jar. And that doesn't mean they're a bad person. It means that something about the way that we connected didn't leave me feeling like they were the trustworthy place for the deepest things of my soul.